0: It on the rebound and the Panthers win it in overtime. Two one the final. Welcome to Territory Talk, the official podcast of the Florida Panthers. six sends it straight ahead. Barkov has room, cruises in Barkov makes a movie scores! Here are your hosts, Jamison Olive and Doug Plagans. Welcome everybody to Territory Talk, the official podcast of the Florida Panthers. Already the eighth installment. Of Territory Talk, and we thank everybody for joining us once again. Doug Plagans here alongside James Nall from FloridaPanthers.com, and again, uh, eight episodes in now. Time is flying by here on Territory Talk. And perhaps one of our most exciting episodes on Tap Forest right here today, is we've got—that's got, that's why it took you eight—as yeah, as we've got Florida Panthers uh, Vice President of Business Operations Sean Thornton here with us today. So, Sean, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for being a part of this uh, here today. And uh, again, always, always great to chat with you. So thanks, thanks for, for having me. By.
1: Yeah, I'm glad everybody else is out of town. You're forced to talk to me. It's, uh, always a positive. Yeah. We're scraping the bottom of the barrel here. Yes, but... you are.
0: Yes, you are. <laughs> well, we have we have lots to cover. All, All right. right. As uh, as we as we bring you in here for the first of, of I would imagine multiple times that you'll uh, stop by a Territory Talk whenever here. you can't get somebody better. I will come <laughs> in. I will
1: sub. Yes, no problem.
0: <laughs> well, well. For, first things first. I mean, uh, first uh, coming up on on a year post uh, post playing career for you. How'd the how the last year uh, go for you? Just in terms of the the whole adjustment. I loved it. Um,
1: I've said this a million times. I I don't miss playing. That's the most. Uh, asked question uh, people don't believe me when I say it, but uh, I don't I've told the story a couple of times first exhibition game uh, Warm-up is when my like blood would start pumping when I was playing and I was in Lexus lounge having a cannoli and a coffee looking at warm-up <laughs> saying I'm in the right place right now i like nothing was moving. I was uh, very happy with uh, my career and moving on to the next one So the last year has been great uh, still learning a ton uh, still a lot to learn. Uh, but have really, really enjoyed it. The, the biggest adjustment is you know hours as a player. You're done by two o'clock in the afternoon on the course, and you're home by five. Uh, with eighteen underneath your belt and a couple beers maybe. Uh, <laughs> here you're here till five six game days. You know midnight whatever it may be, and then right back here in the morning. So that that was the biggest adjustment being uh you know away from, away from the homes. St- the homestead during the day, but uh, I'm, I'm absolutely loving it.
2: A lot of guys say they don't they don't miss playing, they don't miss scoring goals, they don't miss anything like that, but they do miss the locker room.
1: Was that the case for you? Yeah, no, I miss the guys. Uh, it's weird. I mean, they, they had their, I guess, year-end dinner party, and it's my first one in 20-something years that I wasn't invited to, and that that one, uh, I miss that, definitely. But, uh, again, I, to what you just said, I don't miss punching people in the face or getting punched in the face or... The anxiety of that or the ups and downs of, uh, you know, you win, you lose, you bring it home and you had a bad game, you know, have a, they're going to hear a lot of booze reference in this podcast probably, <laughs> but I go home and have a scotch after a bad game and I, I, I just don't have that emotional tie as much as I used to. so. I'm actually, I'm, I'm A-OK with that. I had that for a long time. So I'm OK not riding that roller coaster as much anymore.
2: Is it different? What, what is that roller coaster like now as an exec? Just being up in the press box with a cup of coffee, watching the team, maybe win a big game or lose a big game or anything yeah, like that? No,
1: I, listen, I still, I'm obviously cheering for the team. Uh, I, I joke with, uh, with Matt and McCaffrey and Fullerton that, you know, they're all high-fiving each other and I'm like, it's just a goal. Like, if I'm not on the bench anymore, <laughs> it's not as exciting. Uh, probably because I was tied to it so closely for so long that, I just don't have the energy to get up. Uh, I'm still excited. Don't get me wrong, but I, I guess if anyone watches hockey and you see a big goal happen and you watch a coach behind the game uh, behind the bench being stoic, I never understood as a player how they were until now. Now I understand. I could stand behind a bench and be stoic after a big goal. Uh, four against. You can tell they still get a little rattled, but uh, that's kind of how I am up in the press box. I'm a little bit more stoic about it.
0: What are some of the things that you've learned the most? I guess on the on the business side now, and, and how would you say that the the unique experience that you had as a as a player for so long helped prepare you for for this side of the game? I think the biggest uh thing that I was able, uh, and
1: pe- people might argue this behind my back. I'm not sure, but the biggest thing that I could use transitioning from one to the other was uh being a, a leader in the locker room and then taking that into the office there's a lot of uh I'm not sure if managing personalities is the right word but more dealing with a lot of personalities everyone you know beats to uh, a little different drum and you know some people react differently to criticism or um you know giving them advice or saying great job in different ways people react to it uh and it's no different than being in the locker room as far as you know some players and you really had to hammer them to get them to perform and they actually appreciated being hammered on verbally or whatever in the locker room and then other guys you you had to you had to pat on the on the back and say great job all the time and that's what got them going uh it's not to that extreme in the in the business world but i have realized that there's a lot of personalities that you deal with and you have to You can't just, you know, paint everybody with one
0: brush. And uh, I, mean, I was gonna say, I'm sure you know over the over the course of your career, you were you are probably thinking what was going to be the next step when that time ultimately came. And I know you you had multiple multiple avenues. I thought I was gonna you... be
1: creating territory talk, and uh, <laughs> that did not work out. So, yeah. but yes. you get to be
0: a part of it. Yeah, I am a part of it. I and you, and you it. Can stop by anytime you want. Yeah. But uh, but uh, what drew you to the to the business side? Uh, I, again, uh, I know when when players leave the game, there are always a lot of different avenues that uh, that you could potentially go. So always been interested. In it, um,
1: pretty much, you know, a little weird as a player. Uh, I was always in the front office, picking people's brains. Uh, I'd go to Red Sox games and I'd sit with Larry lachino or, or Sam Kennedy, and I'd be asking about the business of baseball. And it's always just intrigued me. Now, I never thought I'd have an opportunity to do this. I really didn't. Uh, Doug seafood and uh, I think the Viola family, and and definitely Matt Caldwell. Uh, saw me as probably more intelligent than I saw myself and uh, offered the opportunity and I, I jumped at it uh, because it's something that I've always been passionate about. And I, I had no idea how I'd be at it. I didn't know if it was going to be the right fit, but it was definitely something that excited me and something I was really interested in doing. And I feel like you're always better at something if you're passionate and want to do it.
2: You said you learned a lot from the guys like Caldwell and the guys
1: that have already been there. But as
2: far as guys like Dale Talon and guys maybe that aren't or just higher ups, guys that played the game but now hold like a front office position, whether it's in business in sports, do those guys take you under the wing a little bit at all? Yeah,
1: definitely. Uh, I've talked. I talked to Dale at length. Uh, I talk to whoever I can talk to to get advice. I'm uh, I'm all about trying to learn as much as I can from as, you know as many people as possible. Uh, anytime I'm on the road, I try and sit down with executives and other organizations and pick their brain and figure out best practices. Uh, If I'm lucky enough to be able to sit down with the president of another organization, I I could sit there all day and ask them questions about how they go about their day-to-day and what their vision is. I weirdly really like this stuff, and I always have. It's uh, I'm sure not a lot of players are like that, especially for somebody that got hit in the head a lot. But uh, it's really been a passion of mine. And you spend a lot of time
2: in your career in Boston. Obviously, it's when you where you won your second Stanley Cup, and that's that's a place where babies are born. And they're swaddled in a, a Bruins <laughs> blanket and this things like that. Is it kind of exciting to be down here and kind of be at the forefront of like really having to go out there and try and create something and kind of build each fan one fan at a time?
1: Yeah, and I think people forget that when I got to Boston, that has nothing to do with me per se, but (laughs) when I got there, we didn't sell out our home opener that year. Uh, that team had been, you know, there's a lockout. They came out, they traded, they traded Joe Thornton. Um, people were very upset with that organization, uh, right around the same time that I came in. Now I was part of a group that really identified with the fan base there and we performed in a certain way that took to the fan base and, but we figured it out as a group and, uh, we started to have a little bit of success and we snuck into playoffs and played the biggest rival that they had at the time the Montreal Canadiens and that helped kind of springboard the the team back into where it was in the past Um, so I I got to see that as a player and again we as there's a few of us as players that took note of maybe not the business side of things but definitely seeing what the identity of our team and how that affects even if you're not winning games night after night so uh, it's not all winning and losing. I think you really have to connect with the fan base that you're, you're with. And
2: when you say that the guys,
1: the curling locker room, the next the Barkovs, the guys you used to play with, they have a pretty good grasp of that? Yeah, I, I've said it over and over. I think anybody that watched this, uh, you know, f- home team uh, stuff that, that we filmed the last few weeks, I, I hope everyone appreciates how great of a young group of guys. I actually get choked up when I talk about it because there's such a giving, understanding bunch that go out of their way to help this organization and the people around it and the people in the community uh, above and beyond I think a lot of other I don't want to take anything away from other organizations but these guys they're a really special crew
2: and do they, are they curious about what you're doing because so many of these guys you played with last year they're like hey authority like what's, yeah. what's going on up there like, yeah are you they are
1: uh, Mac asked me to golf today and I sent him my calendar of the day he's like oh my god I'm sorry I even asked <laughs> uh, uh, today was a busy one I Booked from you know eight thirty until I think uh, nine o'clock tonight. I'm basically Oof. booked every five seconds. So, um, but yeah, they're uh, they're definitely curious. I've had people such as Bugie or a couple other guys come up and they've heard through the grapevine that I'm doing a a better than expected job uh, from what they're hearing, uh, and they're they're impressed by it and I think they're intrigued by it too. I think it. Listen, this organization has done a good job of letting people know that they care about the people that are in it. And I think the guys seeing that they've taken care of somebody like me and given an opportunity to grow in a different uh, a different way than most people would think about it. I think that goes a long way with the guys too. I think guys start thinking, oh, maybe I can do something like that one day instead of just collecting their paycheck, going home, playing PlayStation and,
0: and not worrying about anything else except what's in the bank. So I think they've done a great job with that you were fortunate enough to be a part of two teams that won won the ultimate prize and to to be able to be on the business side now as an executive see a team down in the ice that that is on the rise and really the sky is the limit for a lot of these guys do you ever think down the road about what it could be be like to experience that feeling from the executive side every single day uh, that
1: trophy is all that matters in my mind in the sport and um, you're right I'm very fortunate that I have two rings as a player I I've talked to Dale about this at length that I, I would like nothing more than for another one to, to be, you know, on the executive side of things. So uh, I'm excited as everyone else is where this team's going. I'm not on the hockey side whatsoever. I do not have any insights, so don't even ask. But <laughs> I, I see where these, these guys are in their stages of career. I see how they're playing just like everyone else. I mean, that second half uh, was remarkable, and I think that's a true – uh, indicator of what this team's capable of. And you said
2: you're not, obviously not going to ask you a question for the hockey side, but on the flip side of the coin, I mean, you are on the business side. How
1: excited are you to sell these guys and yeah. promote these guys? 100%. I think that uh, we have to do a job no matter how the team does, but the excitement that these guys have created in the last three, four months and going into this offseason, I mean, it would have been nice to squeak into the playoffs, don't get me wrong, but just seeing even how close it was and uh, how exciting of a game these guys! That, even the games in the earlier in the year that we were losing by one goal here, one goal there. I, you can't say there was a bad game to watch. I think there's two or three the whole season that we were out of, and that happens to every single team. Um, like it was, they're fast, they're fun to watch. Our best defensive forward scores the most ridiculous goals that I've ever seen, and that that doesn't happen everywhere.
0: The Sean Thornton Foundation. Tell yeah. us, uh, tell us about uh, again how your foundation continues to do Obviously, so much good work. An amazing name for a foundation. Uh, very, <laughs> South orri- South.
1: very original. Very um, original. No, it's been great. We just I uh, was just up in Boston last week. We had ten runners running in the marathon. They raised uh, over eighty thousand dollars. That's huge. We have our golf tournament coming up uh, August twentieth. I think we have we haven't secured the exact number of runners for the fall month of road race. The day before that um, have great bunch of people playing in the golf tournament. I think we're God, I think we're at 17 or 20 foursomes already sold. for, uh, And I cap it at 25, 26 if somebody special comes along and wants to spend a lot of money for the charity <laughs> and uh, needs a foursome. But uh, it, it's amazing to me. I thought four years ago when I came down here that it might fizzle out. Um, it keeps growing and growing and growing. And I think uh, it's a lesson that I've tried to learn as far as taking on the business side. It really it's not all wins and losses or who you're playing for if you actually genuinely care and give back to the community and people identify with that and have a good time doing it then they'll keep coming back and that's been the case for for the foundation Uh, again three more runners this year than we had last year it looks like we're projecting to make you know more money than we have in the past in the golf tournament uh very fortunate you guys just heard me talking to him but bobby orr signs up to play whenever he can when he's in town uh i have a lot of great celebrities that you know, give their time and a lot of the Bruins and ex Bruins still come because it's close to training camp and they're up there and, you know, Yans has been there, Jack Eichel has been there. I'm very fortunate the guys give their time and, and it's still been successful and uh, happy to give back. We're in the process of creating a, a research fund with Children's Hospital of Boston to uh, help create a, this doctor's amazing. He's doing some work on creating non-invasive testing. So hopefully no more Drilling into kids' skulls, it should be urine testing for this rare type of cancer uh, that's hard to find and stuff like that, you know, really excites me. Now having a daughter, not, I can't even picture, I couldn't picture what those kids are going through before, but now it takes it to another level. So um, I'm happy that any dollar we make, we try and give right back and it's been a huge passion of mine and it's continuing to grow, which I'm happy about. Sorry, it's was a little long. No, no, there, that that's good. That's uh,
2: I mean, we want to know more. I mean, some guys get in this league, they just, you know, write a check here and there every now and then. Some guys like yourself
1: then start these foundations.
2: What kind of inspired you to start the Sean Thorne Foundation? Uh,
1: my grandmother. Uh, the foundation was created out of a lockout. Probably the only good thing that came out of that lockout, in my opinion. Uh, the Bruins Foundation used to run my golf tournament. Uh, during a lockout, the front office is not allowed to talk to players and vice versa. Um, full separation of church and state there. So I did not want to lose my golf tournament. I didn't know if the season was gonna get blown up for a year. Uh, it was around December and I was starting to get nervous. So uh, I knew some people that had run uh, other golf tournaments and they, I think, ran John Lester's Never Quit Foundation. Uh, so we came together and created my own. I went to a few people I knew around town that were very successful and uh, connected around the city and asked them if they wanted to volunteer their time to be on the board. and. I'm very fortunate that I still have the same board members and they've been amazing, uh, truly amazing on how much they give back with all the other stuff they have going on in life and how they actually leverage some of their connections to help me out. Um, So that was, that was the inspiration was uh, not losing the grant. My grandmother's, the golf tournament in memory of my grandmother uh, all those years ago uh, and that money going to Parkinson's and now it's grown into when I was creating the foundation, what I want to give back and Parkinson's in memory of my grandmother uh, and pediatric cancer was always just a huge, uh, uh, a huge thing that I was involved in. And I don't care who you are. You go to one of these you know, hospitals and visit these kids and you can, it's impossible to not be affected by how strong, resilient, brave, uh, they are. And, and, the images that you see, if you're not affected by it, then you should probably go get yourself checked. <laughs> I mean,
2: um, you talked about the golf tournament. You talked about the, the marathon. I mean, I know Christmas Eve. I spent with you at the movie theater hosting yep. pediatric cancer uh, patients. Is there a favorite event every year you really, really, really love
1: doing? Uh, I, I honestly love them all. I love being able to take the the runners that can show up out for beers after the the race. I mean, they just some of them just created uh, just finished their first marathon ever this year in Boston was absolutely miserable freezing rain you know it was coming down hard and every one of them completed their 26.2 and you can just see how sore they are but how proud they are and how they can't wait to have a beer and some crappy food because they've been eating pretty well for the last (laughs) few months um the golf tournament's amazing because we have a great time uh i see a lot of friendly faces that i only get to see a few times a year now uh the christmas eve thing that was my wife's idea years ago on christmas eve when we had nothing to do we literally just go get drunk on Christmas Eve and throw a party at our house, and my wife uh, decided why don't we do something better with our time, (laughs) Uh, came up with the idea to bring kids that were capable of leaving the hospital and getting away from things for a few hours to come watch a movie. So, uh, proud of all of them. uh, Looking to bring a couple events down to Florida, uh, talk to Top Golf. we're probably gonna do something there uh, early next season and then uh, trying to create one other event to try and bring more of a influence down to south florida and you talk about bringing more influence making this grow. obviously you have your own
2: individual stuff with the foundation but the panthers as a whole really took a step forward this year in terms of community outreach are you just really kind of excited to jump on that train and help with that as well whether yeah it was-
1: and i think it's first of all it's the right thing to do i think that uh you know the violas the sifus how much they how much they've given from day one um is amazing and now to see with our the organizational vision uh being completely almost geared towards community and how much we activated on that especially they were before but especially in the last season um how how much the guys give back how much the organization the employees like uh, nobody gets to see and i didn't even know as a player but you know we have people in this office volunteering at different things weekly whether it's a beach cleanup or a boys and girls club or big brothers big sisters or it, it's actually amazing top to bottom in this organization uh how much people care and how much they give back and i hope this doesn't sound as like a me grandstanding <laughs> or uh pumping our own tires too much but i'm i was truly you know taken back a little bit seeing how much everybody in this organization really cares and gives
0: back Sean Thornton, our guest here today, and again we admire all the, the great work and amazing work that you've done with uh, with your foundation. I believe it's on Twitter at Sean Thornton FDN if people yes, want to find out. Twitter, more Instagram,
1: Facebook, uh ThorntonFoundation.org uh
0: for the website. Yeah, just just go there and give money, please. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Thornton, our guest here. And just to, to kind of tie everything back together, I know you've you've said that. Um, you know, you go over to the executive side. And the days you tend to have a, a little bit more uh, hours of work in the day, in terms of uh, you know having to be around till five, six o'clock in the evening. But I'm sure there are parts of the schedule that have cleared up a little bit for you. There's some some maybe leisure activities that you've been able to have a little bit more time to do. You no, know, the golf game has gone to absolute like it's
1: the worst it's ever been. Uh, the weekends, I guess, a little better. I don't travel as much. That's the that's the that's the positive. Uh, you know, if I go on the road, if I have you know, if we have clients or partners or I have to go to New York for some business with the league uh, you know it's I can go up for two three days I don't have to continue on to uh, no offense Buffalo Ottawa Winnipeg Edmonton but I, I, I don't I'm not stuck on the plane for 10 days I can get back and be with the family after two or three days normally so that, that's definitely a positive I know we always talk
2: about guys when they retire staying in shape You've had pretty much a team of people making sure you stay in shape.
0: You had it pretty hard,
1: yeah. But but now you're you're on your own. How's it going? Yeah, I have a big golf trip coming up next week, so I I haven't been uh, I haven't been working out as much these last few weeks. I've kind of let it go. But no, I I'm my biggest fear in life is somebody seeing me a year or two down the road and saying I look like I got (laughs) stung by a bee, like I used to with DJ Smith of the Leafs. So. yeah, I, I've run three days a week. I'm still doing jiu-jitsu two or three days a week. I'm not lifting like I used to, but uh, I'm still trying to watch my caloric intake and uh, still trying to get a sweat five to six days a week if I can.
0: Sean Thornton, our guest here on uh, Territory Talk today, uh, and and again, Sean, we could we could go on for, for hours, and that's why you're going to be a, a repeat guest at some point. You're on Territory Talk if you'll if you'll join us.
1: Yeah, next next year in May when you're stuck without anybody again, <laughs> I'll I'll have. But seriously, congrats on the show. We're you're gaining uh, gaining a following
0: uh, every day is more and more. So I'm uh. I'm happy for you guys. Well, thanks very much, and, and thanks for being here with us today. The eighth episode of Territory Talk, and again, uh, FloridaPanthers.com slash Territory Talk. If you're tuning into the show, you obviously knew where to find it, but other avenues to find it, Google Play, SoundCloud, iTunes, available on, on all those different platforms. So uh, you can go check out the archived episodes. We we talked to Keith Yandel. We talked to Mike Matheson back before the season ended. We've uh, we've talked to Denny Popman We've talked to Bill Lindsay. We've had all kinds of guests here, Ro. Uh, it's a pretty last, amazing uh, crew. Uh, over the last, uh, yeah, now eight episodes. And a big that, thanks. Uh, to that. We hit eight out. episodes, but our first episode
2: just hit 1,000 listens, the Nick Bukes oh, nice. episode. So thanks again for everyone that tuned into that specifically. And, uh, yeah, like Jug said, just really excited to grow, especially over the summer every week.
0: Yeah, big uh, big thanks to everybody. You can uh, you can find Jameson and I on Twitter, at Doug Pleggins, at Jameson Coop. Uh, we're always open to everybody's suggestions, questions, questions. Inquiries, whatever you want to toss out there. So.
1: Four hundred ninety-two more to go. <laughs>
0: yeah, I used to always say about my goals. <laughs> well, that was episode number eight, folks, and big thanks to uh, to Sean Thornton here for uh, for stopping by, for taking a few moments with us. And uh, again, a reminder, folks, if you don't have your tickets for next season, you can get your season tickets. If you want to come to one game or all the games by yourself or with all your friends, we can uh, we can find something that works for you. So 954-835-PUCK, That's where to go to get your tickets. And who knows, if you stop by, Get your tickets here. You might see, you might see Sean Thornton walking around. we floating around, might, always. Might bump into uh, Sean Thornton when you when you stop by, or Jameson, or myself. Till next time, everybody. Thanks for stopping by. Episode number eight of Territory Talk. Again, thanks for joining us. You can find me on Twitter at Doug Plaggins, Find Jameson at Jameson Coop. Big thanks to Sean Thornton once again, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Territory Talk, the official podcast of the Florida Panthers. For all your Panthers news and information, follow FLA Panthers on Twitter.